Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theological. I'm Ethan. And I'm David. And we're here to take theological lemons and turn them into theological lemonade. your week ah well uh it's been pretty good first off in the two weeks since the the last podcast went live not to give away too much when we do these things i've been overwhelmed by the support that we've gotten like in a in a very real and practical way so that's that's put me in pretty high spirits i'm not gonna lie one of the main major announcements that we kind of have is that uh we are wanting to put out episodes on an actual schedule <laughs> uh so right now uh we're looking at a once a month uh upload schedule on the 25th of the month because if it is good enough for jesus it's good enough for us <laughs> oh gosh no uh in reality it was a fluke uh and we can talk more about the 25th of December and Jesus' birthday and stuff. That's probably an episode as we get closer to the season. <laughs> so thank you to everyone who supported the podcast so far by listening, sharing, leaving comments wherever you can. It's It's been great. What a fun way to launch all of this. Outside of that, I mean, I've been paring down my board game collection. I'm getting ready for a pretty big move. Um, Where are you moving to, Ethan? Oh, we're moving to Dallas. It's gonna be fun. Nice. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be in the same town. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, Finally. yeah, look forward to that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm so ready. Uh, my my back's been acting up this week, which has not been super fun. Apparently, my brain has decided I am under attack at all times. So every muscle has decided to seize. Uh, and uh, get as tight as humanly possible. I exaggerate not when I say that my uh, my desk has more give than my shoulders, or at least it used to. Uh, yeah. But we're on the we're on the tail end of that, and so hopefully I'll be able to walk around without uh, going numb next week. Yeah, that'd be nice, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of kind of the thing we want. Right. Um, things are just a buzzing around here. What about you, man? Uh, well, I have been watching a lot of YouTube videos about making uh, a specific type of Korean Chinese dish uh, called uh, noodles and black bean sauce. Uh, in Korean, it's called jajangmyeon. Uh, and so I'm trying to make it at home. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's like a, it's, it's a really simple dish. It's like Korean spaghetti. Um, but oh, awesome. uh, it's hard to find a restaurant here that makes it. Uh, okay in the Korean way, like they add a whole bunch of sugar and salt to kind of meet the American palate. Mm. Um, so I'm going to try to make it at home tomorrow. So I'll let you know how that goes. Oh, that is so cool. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ethan, what's been on your mind lately? Well, um, this week we figured that we were going to talk about some terms that we maybe mentioned, because I know we gestured toward that in the first episode, uh, some terms that maybe not everybody knows, some theological kind of buzzwords and things that we talk about that might not be readily apparent to people who are just kind of coming into this without any prior knowledge. Um, right. 
and making sure that we can kind of give people a guide to understand not just what we say, but what they hear other people say about God and about theology and, and all of that. This will right. be the first part of the of the series, um, which I know at time of recording, we've talked about doing probably two of these. And if y'all want to, uh, if you, the listener, want to uh, send in suggestions or ask any questions that you might like to see talked about in the future, I invite you to send an email to theologicalpodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, hit us up in the comments. Comments do, do comments exist on Anchor.fm? Uh, they might. Uh, but <laughs> but hey, like maybe you should all go to Anchor FM to see if there there are yeah. any comments. Anchor.fm slash Theo dash logical. That's Anchor.fm slash T H E O dash logical. Uh, and that's that's where we are. We actually have stuff. You can interact with us. It's great. Uh, we'll we'll do a little bit more plugging at the end. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and let's let's jump into it. Yeah. Uh, just uh, as a as a primer, a, a lot of these conversations started as you know talking to to people around us. You know, Ethan is a chaplain. I'm a chaplain, and also, mm-hmm. you know, I have a young adults group that I pastor, and they're constantly asking me what the meaning of words are. Uh, and to those who are not uh, fluent in Christianese, uh, a lot of these words might just seem mystical or magical. And <laughs> that is not what we want. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess the, the really big one and the, the title of our podcast, Theological, uh, what does theology mean? Yeah. And we've got some notes here, but we might be flying by the seat of our pants um, a little bit. Uh, so Ethan, do you wanna do you wanna show us your pants first? Or <laughs> yeah, you know what? Here's my pants. So uh, theology, in the simplest terms that I could think of, and I should say that though we have some references and things that I know I'm gonna pull up, and and I'm sure David has some ideas here. Though we have some references, I know that I tried to put these into words that I understand as best I could. They're probably influenced by other sources. Um, but I wanted to come up with kind of the Ethan simple dictionary <laughs> definition of what these terms meant. So for theology, I wrote that it's the ways in which we talk about, think about, and otherwise express feelings and beliefs about the divine. Wow. That means pretty much like there's a wide scope. Christian theology is not the only theology, right? And I think that that's one of the main kind of points. You're talking about the divine. You're thinking about it. You're feeling about it. You're doing theology all the time Mm -hmm. in whatever direction you want to be doing it. And I think that opens the field in a way that's way more accessible than saying that it's just, you know, people sitting there writing books or it's someone coming up with this big long list of all the things they believe that interact with one another and interconnect. Like it's, it's simply if you've thought about talked about or had feelings about the divine, you're doing theology. Hmm. I like that. I like that as a working definition. Yeah, and and I wholeheartedly agree with that definition. Um, if I were to 
put it in more simpler terms, uh, or you know, more condensed. I, yeah. I don't, don't want to say that Europe's was complicated. Oh no, I um, mean you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, no offense taken. Sure, uh, you know, it's it's the study of God um, and the study mm. of the divine. So um, a lot of people tend to use this definition in abstract terms. Some of the more cerebral and heady theologians will talk about theology apart from humanity. And I believe that's a load of bull. Um, I don't think that you can do <laughs> theology without um, making it practical. Uh, all theology is practical theology. Um, hmm. And I think maybe that's a good place to start. So, Ethan, what are your thoughts on how theology is, is useful to us? So that's a really fun question because I think there have been a lot of kind of bloviating, you know, definitions about things where people are just kind of puffing up their cheeks and saying, well, these are all the things uh, that theology can be, which doesn't talk about application, right? I mean, I think the the kind of classical or traditional way of thinking about theology is that there are multiple branches and these are things like biblical theology which is what it means uh what what the theology of the bible itself and other holy texts are or theological texts are um historical theology which is what did people believe at certain points in time almost anthropology mm -hmm. kind of um more anthropological and then historically anthropological and then systematic or doctrinal or dogmatic theology which is like i'm going to make a list and make all of my beliefs kind of kiss <laughs> and, and they're gonna they're gonna meet together and it's all going to you know make sense when you look at it or it won't but you know i've tried uh and then there's practical theology which you mentioned which is often held as its own discipline which means doing things because you believe a thing and I think it is most helpful to, like you said, sort of collapse all of that because one informs the other necessarily. It's, it's a plate of spaghetti, except it's all oh, one okay. noodle, right? Like, I, I think what you think the Bible says about theology necessarily informs what you believe about the theology as it has informed the tradition of whatever tradition you either find yourself most surrounded by or the tradition that you're in whether that be united methodist baptist lutheran presbyterian any and all church and or or no church i mean that right. that too which informs the way that you kind of categorize your experience which is systematic and then that belief about people and the world and god all kind of comes together to inform the way you act on a day-to-day -day basis, at least in an ideal kind of situation. Right. Um, those, those sort of baseline assumptions. So I would say that the very act of thinking in any capacity about the divine is doing theology that will transform the way that you interact with the world and other human persons. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, feel free to kind of jump in on that. Uh, what what do you think uh, theology is is most helpful in? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing con contrary in what you just said. Um, I think that 
all theology has to lead to some conclusive action. Mm. So if I believe that, you know, all God's creatures are loved by God, I have to act that way. Um, I can't just believe it in my head and then pat myself on the back for a good belief uh, and then just move on with mm-hmm. my life. I have to to act that way because I really believe, especially for the Christian faith, um, uh, belief begets action or faith begets action. Um, mm-hmm. And your actions are the fruit of your belief. Um, so I, I don't remember what the verse is. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> this makes me a bad seminarian, but... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, nope, you know, a bad fruit doesn't <laughs> come from good trees, uh, and vice versa. Um, I mean, hmm. you know, take that with a grain of salt. You know, don't don't use that as clobber verse. But um, you know, like, ooh, say more. You you said a you said a term. I'm gonna sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Clobber verse. Yeah. Uh, so clobber verses are verses that are used to um, oppress uh, people in the way that they're interpreted. Case in point, you know. Uh, the the verses in Ephesians about slaves were used as clobber verses for hundreds of years to keep the enslaved people enslaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, you know, there's there's one there's a difference between talking about a mm-hmm. verse in its context and just pulling it out to silence an argument or to. Uh, quiet a person or to keep right. them in quote unquote in their place that's that's a clobber verse right right and and when i say bad fruit can't come from good trees you know that's a very mm-hmm. i'm i'm painting with a very broad brush right um mm-hmm. uh, but what i mean is if our theology is not properly aligned to what we believe about god it's going to show um, it's going to be very obvious. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, yeah. that's a problem. And that, I think that's why this kind of conversation is very important, that we know what we talk, what we're talking about when we talk about theology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of springboarding off of that, because theology talks about a lot of things, right? We talk about God. We talk about all these uh, the these these kind of big, heady concepts and especially if you're in the United Methodist Church right now or you're in you're in any kind of I would say this is one of the most talked about um, mm-hmm. theological kind of ideas mm-hmm. is the idea of sin and what that means, how it's defined. Um, we were talking about clobber verses earlier. Uh, it certainly seems like a clobber term. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the worst case scenario, anything with which I don't agree is sin. Right. And that's not <laughs> that's not really what it is. Uh, David, would you like to take a stab at it? Uh, yeah. Um, so I am of the Augustinian camp, I guess, uh, in mm-hmm. this way, uh, in that I believe that sin uh, is the privation of good. Uh, it's the. Uh, distance away from God that we we put ourselves in uh, when we do things that are not of God. And again, that's very loaded terminology, so let me break that down a little bit. So what Augustine was trying to say, um, and this is me paraphrasing, is that 
sin is not a, a positive attribute, uh, meaning that sin doesn't exist in and of itself. Sin is the absence of good, the privation of good. Um, so where God is not, that's where sin is. And so when we sin, uh, what we're doing is we're pulling ourselves away from that, and that gap um, is where sin resides. Hmm. Yeah. yeah in, importantly, into that, I kind of want to. I kind of want to take a stab because um, that is another sort of very heady <laughs> and and difficult thing to parse. Uh, the idea that you know where God is not, because mm -hmm. if uh, a common theological claim is that God's everywhere, right? right? And yeah. and so uh, to to sort of nuance Augustine's sort of point of view here. Augustine had this idea of the uh, curvatus in se, uh, which means the heart turned in on itself, putting all of the action of drawing away uh, from God in the hands of the person. The idea is, uh, if you want to play along at home, the most practical uh, definition of the curvatus in se is you touch your chin to your chest as best you can. You just look down as far as you can. And what you see is you. You can't really look at the world around you. I mean, you can try, but if you're focusing on yourself, you're not really looking at everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is that for Augustine, as you interact with God, God sort of, puts a hand on your head and pulls you up, straightens your back, helps you look at things hmm. uh, so that you're consumed with this vision of, of outwardness, you know, the, the world, the human world around you mm -hmm. and consumed by love, right? And, and that that becomes what you're looking at, what you're focusing on, what is most important. Hmm. And so if your heart just continues to become bowed, right the the act of resisting that sort of hand against your head would be sin right mm -hmm. you're you're resisting the opportunity to look beyond the self and selfish desire i think is is part of that yeah so uh, i think that's really important uh the wording that you use to use the word focus and maybe a better word than uh the gap would be um a disorientation so uh Augustine's whole point was that we had um, a proper object of love. So mm -hmm. where we yeah. put our love, that's where, you know, our life will be. Yeah. Um, and Augustine's point was that our the proper object of our love is God. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason why focus is so important is that if we're not oriented towards God, we're not making good choices, we're... We're constantly making narcissistic choices, uh, abusive choices, uh, oppressive choices. Uh, and it's that disorientation, that orientation away from God, that's sin. Mm. Um, so maybe that's a better way to put this privation of good, uh, that we start to do things that are dehumanizing. Mm. To nuance this, because we're relying a lot on Augustine right, right. here. Which is, you know, what, a thousand years old? Something like that? Yeah. Uh, uh, let me get that right. Uh, <laughs> the Don't want to be wrong about when. It's probably more closer to like 2000. I'm sure he was like 400s. Right. And, and we're talking about Augustine who was writing in like 
the 400s, like the mid 400s. Um, and so there's 1500 years, give or take, of extra knowledge. Um, and then on top of that, and, and reiterations on Augustine. And on top of that, we have newer sort of perspectives, more diverse perspectives, I, I think, that have that have kind of come to the forefront. Also, Augustine has years and years and years of, shall we say, rough, um, <laughs> rough reinterpretation, interpretation and application. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is kind of a ground floor and kind of easily explained understanding uh, with some reiterations on Augustine. Another helpful way that I've heard it talked about, specifically the another helpful way that I've heard Sin talked about, mm-hmm. was I attended a um, a lecture by Dr. Robert Hunt from uh, SMU Southern Methodist University Perkins School of Theology, uh, and he talks about a definition of sin that is not inherently related to offending God or committing immorality. Mm. And it isn't even related to a distance from God or being alienated. So, so here it's, it's kind of an alternate perspective to uh, Augustine, but I do think they sort of square a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he redefines sin as alienation from the true purpose of being human. Mm. So, the redefinition is more in terms of uh, the most important question by his estimation that contemporary humans, at least in the West, ask, which is, how can I be authentically me? So sin then would be alienation from the authentic self, Hmm. living authentically in community with God and others, Hmm. right? I, I kind of iterate on that with that uh, sin being that which defies our God-given nature to be loving, fully realized humans in community with other fully realized humans. And for the audience's sake, that's very Huntian, uh, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, uh, he uh, also teaches uh, world religions, um, and so he is very much aware of the subtleties of theologies. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that his definition of sin would be very anthropologically focused. Yes. I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing. I actually think that's a beautiful way of putting sin. Um, yeah. And uh, I, it's almost, uh, you know, if you've read James Cone, yeah. um, he also talks about sin being a dehumanizing force. Yeah. Um, it takes us away from who we are and who we're meant to be as God's creation. Yeah. Um, so that's absolutely a beautiful way of describing sin. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think, I think it divests from sin, the idea of shame mm. in a lot of ways, um, because sin can be a very shaming term that's used to say, like I said at the beginning of this kind of segment, I don't like what you're doing. You are bad for what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Right. And it's kind of the the clobber word. It's the end all be all. If you're right. sinning, that's it. There's no argument to be had. Right. Yeah. It, it takes the judgment out of that word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that. I, I thought that was really uh, poetic. It was a really good, really um, uplifting way to talk about sin, which is not my experience with talking about sin, right? Right, right. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, not that sin is an uplifting experience, but um, to, to, to frame sin in a way that's, that's more exact and more accurate. Yeah. And, and is something that I feel like, at least when phrased that way, most people can identify times in their life when they were like, oh yeah, I, I was, I was not being authentically myself or I, I wasn't living into that sort of community. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily be overwhelmed with guilt. Right. Um, yeah. Instead, it becomes kind of a pensive moment, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, we don't need to get into this right now, but um, I, I would really love to talk a little bit about um, Western individualism and how that plays into our Christianity. Yeah. Uh, because some people might be listening to this and being like, well, isn't that very selfish? <laughs> Uh, yeah and it's not uh and and we can definitely talk about that i think that's very important Um, say maybe uh, just a little bit more about that because i i think that that those people who would ask that question might want a little more uh yeah the last thing we want to do uh is say that sin is just an individual experience and that Mm -hmm. uh we only avoid sin to be better authentic versions of ourselves. Yeah. What we mean by our authentic versions implied in that is that we are God's creation and we're created in God's image. So to be authentically ourselves, we're talking about the whole experience of our existence um, as parts of creation and as part of this community of humanity. Um, And and that's our authentic self, not this neo uh, post-truth era of I do what I want and I'm authentically me and I get to define that however I want. Yeah. um, Dr. Hunt actually kind of uh, squares against that idea where where he's like, this is not a 12 step program, Hmm. right? We we need to identify, you know, uh, Christianity as separate from just being uh, a pathway to self-realization and satisfaction. The the sort of hint that we get along the way there is that the gospel necessarily is grounded in a reality beyond human individualism, Mm -hmm. right? It involves not just, uh, as as Dr. Hunt puts it, uh, not just what we know, but being known in a, quote, particularly full, rich, and complete way. That's beautiful. And that's not just against like with with God or including God, but including one another. Um, so so there's there's more community to it than I want to be my authentic self right. might might suggest specify or suggest. Yeah, right. because your authentic self is meant to be in community. Your authentic self is meant to you know partake in the divine in some way, uh, and and that's that's more. Um, where where that definition is coming from yeah yeah and i think that leads really nicely into uh the the talk about grace um yeah and what it means for us to live in god's grace Mm -hmm. Um, i i didn't go quite as um (laughs) 
verbose with this one yeah. <laughs> as as I as I did on on a couple of the other ones. Um, I wrote three words: uh, forgiveness, love, and restoration. Hmm. Um, now each one of those could also be buzzwords in and of themselves, but grace. I, I kind of lean toward the idea uh, as put forward by umc.org, the official United Methodist Church uh, website. Not to not to say that I'm just like I'm gonna I'm gonna point in this direction and say this is perfectly it. I think there's there's more to it uh, than just what is summarized on a page. But they list that it is the undeserved, unmerited, loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit. Hmm. And that gets into a lot of really uneven ground um, because we get into the discussion of the Trinity and the uh, the persons therein. Um, and we can ha- that could be its own kind of series. Uh, we could do a three-part series on the persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or the Creator, you know, and and kind of the history locked into that um we we could talk about that but um the basic kind of simple uh quote unquote big air quotes around that definition is uh the forgiveness love and restoration uh that comes from god Mm -hmm. that is importantly undeserved and unmerited so yeah that's that's kind of where I have. What what about you? For me, and, and this is going to sound really cheesy and uh, very sappy, uh, but mm-hmm. when I was in junior high, I had an orchestra teacher named Miss Price, and uh, she she was the first real example of a Christian in my life mm-hmm. uh, that impacted me in a way. And cool. she had a, a great two part definition of grace and mercy. Okay. Um, so the first part which was grace, uh, she defined it this way. She said, grace is receiving a blessing that we don't deserve, mm. um, and which is the UMC definition, basically. And it's basically when we receive something out of nothing more than yeah. someone's love. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. And it's a true gift. It's free. Yeah. Freely given with nothing expected in return. And I think this is the quintessential Christian word. Methodists love this word. We we even have three different versions of this word. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we know. sure do. Yeah, uh, I as a recipient of prevenient grace, which means the the grace that comes before coming to know God. Mm-hmm. Um, I really resonate with this word because I received so much before I became a Christian. I want to say I, I I lived a pretty good life. Uh, I I, mm-hmm. I tried to do the right thing. I lived. Yeah some what we would call a morally good life but god called me to to more than that and uh i i feel blessed Hmm. and that's you know putting it in in christianese terms um but i think anybody can understand grace uh just as something that they have received that they didn't expect and they didn't deserve and deserve here being kind of importantly the 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 sort of it's been reinterpreted over time to to be more of the like modern 21st century western definition of deserve which is to say i did not it, it still buys into that sort of myth of merit 
Yeah. Right? Where I did no action that would logically end in being rewarded this thing. Right. Which can be kind of rough ground for a lot of people, but I, I, I think that it's, it's just important to sort of lay that out. Right. Right. And, you know, we can we can replace that word with earn merit. Um, yeah. I would even say cause. Uh, we did not cause this thing to happen to us. Yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it does. Right. Yeah. And so I kind of want to dig for a second on the three different kinds of grace, because that's a that's sort of a unique United Methodist thing. Not that we're the only ones that have it, but we harp on it real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So there's the prevenient grace, as you mentioned, is grace that happens before we know God. Or really, if if you want to extrapolate it a little bit more, it's in those moments where you have been not... Hmm, how do I want to say this? That's, hold on. When you have been in the, the midst of Kervatis and say... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Spike that ball. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Because it's knowing God is not one defined moment, at least in my own theology. It can sometimes be a cycle, right, of knowing more. I mean, just like knowing your neighbor isn't you met them once and now you know them forever and never have to interact with them, right? Uh, So too does knowing God take time and you don't always do it perfectly. And prevenient grace is there for when you don't necessarily know what you will know covering that uh, but that's just sort of how how one of the three there's two more and they're a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. than i think this you know small section would allow uh, for us to really deep dive into um but prevenient grace is kind of the the most i think impactful and certainly the one with which um i know my life has been shaped the most mm-hmm. um, so so that's that's grace yeah and i just want to point out that prevenient grace isn't a thing that we receive you know before we become christian prevenient grace we believe is something that's given to all of humanity Mm -hmm. um and i think that's the crux of methodist theology Mm -hmm. um we are very ecumenical meaning that we are very open to different traditions Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like prevenient grace is the thing that allows me and Ethan to have this conversation in this podcast. Yeah. Um, because we believe that you don't need to be a Christian to listen to this. Um, yeah. you don't even need to be, believe that there's a, a divine power, mm-hmm. but I believe that this is, I don't know. I, I just believe that this is useful in and of itself as a yeah. way to explore, uh, what we all feel inherently feel as human beings is is out there well and and even if it's not something that you totally kind of jump on board with the hope is that at the very least it'll help you understand those who do Mm -hmm. uh so that when they say things you might know what they're meaning better than they do which can only help us right uh help hold us accountable help us sort of navigate this very messy world that we have where things are not in neat little definition lines and boxes Mm -hmm. but they can help us to interact with each other uh, which is really cool now you mentioned 
a word earlier. Uh, you said your teacher had a two-part definition for grace and mercy. Yes. Uh, you you want to hit us with mercy? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Miss Price, I will say her name again. You know. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I I mean so so she was very influential I think to to most of us in the orchestra, um, awesome. but okay so the first part was grace is receiving blessing that we don't deserve, mercy mm-hmm. is not receiving punishment that we do deserve, mm-hmm. um, so it's the absence of punishment or uh, punishment's too strong a word uh, it's not receiving a consequence yeah that we do deserve yeah absolutely I I. I, I think Mrs. Price got it. <laughs> I, I, it's that's that's almost word for word what I what I wrote was uh, not receiving punishment for that which logic dictates is punishable, mm-hmm. uh, thereby defying mm-hmm. common sense. That's good, right? Like the 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 idea that, well, but you did this, which means you should get this. Like, mm-hmm. no, it would be like mixing you know, uh, red and blue and getting green, right. Right. You right. you know, your your brain might say, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. And mercy says, no, no, no. Importantly, I think with both grace and mercy, it's really easy to talk about them in divine terms, which we've kind of done. Mm-hmm. But they're not just divine. See, that's the really cool part to all of it for me. Uh, the part that kind of gets me giddy. I sat up in my chair. Um, the idea is that grace and mercy exist and are modeled by God mm-hmm. so that we know what they are and can do them. Mm. So we can have grace for people. You know, that's part of that's part of the guidelines that help define the boundary of sin, right? Right. Of of being your full authentic self is having grace, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and having mercy not always meeting out the justice that you feel is paramount or deserved or how, whatever word you want to use, earned, caused, mm-hmm. not doing that. Mm-hmm. Which mercy and grace kind of go hand in hand in that regard. Right. That those are the things that we're called to do, mm-hmm. not to any benefit of ourselves, but to the benefit of the community and those around us. And uh, because the community as it is, is taking part in the life of the divine mm-hmm. beautifully yeah. worded Ethan. yeah <laughs> thanks no uh, yeah i mean it i'm reminded of psalms 23 and uh, not not in the cliche way that one would think um but when when you talked about grace and mercy i, I thought of you know th- the rod and the staff right mm-hmm. um, god leads us with grace um and sometimes forgoes the staff so, so I am actually reminded of Psalm twenty-three uh, uh-huh. too, because of the the last verse, as in most like common English translations, the NIV, the NRSV, uh, uh, surely grace and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell yes. in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. They follow you, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not that those are just a thing that occur instantly, like which is to say in specific instances right they're around you at all times they're in you they work through you grace and mercy are are not static mm-hmm. they're ever in motion right uh, and and i think that that's really uh that's something that's really special uh yeah be, yeah because you can 
motion in 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 one term which is to say that like moving from something to something else is very often the manner in which we tell stories mm-hmm. um it's kind of you can see this proceeding through scripture you can see it proceeding through your favorite book mm-hmm. you know um whether it's the lord of the rings or uh the the you know psalm uh any individual psalm mm-hmm. uh you are moving from something to somewhere and and the fact that grace and mercy and really a, a lot of these terms and things that we sort of think about as as being stagnant and in one specific spot the fact that they are processes right mm-hmm. and they are things that we learn to do better uh and they are things that we fail at and we we receive mercy for those failures and we we continue reiterating i think right. is really really cool absolutely it's it's the the fundamental basis at least of of where i know i come from uh when tackling this whole endeavor this whole podcast yeah i think i think that's a beautiful place to end it uh once again <laughs> ethan you have said the the beautiful ending <laughs> well you're as always and yet again you are so kind uh and and thank you uh it's it's always a pleasure uh one of my favorite parts of the week yeah, same is here. getting to sit down and talk with you about this stuff yeah. uh but yeah so that's been another episode of theological under our belt Woo! we did it nice <laughs> Uh, and our links are anchor.fm slash theo-logical. Um, and if you have any questions or comments or you'd like to leave us a nice note, we're at theologicalpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, there's no dash in that there's one. No dash. It's just the word theological, T-H-E-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L podcast at gmail. Yes. Uh, and you can reach me, David, at the Ducky Monk. All one word, no underscores. The Ducky Monk on Twitter, and I am uh, at Mice Roar on Twitter. That is M I C E underscore R O A R. Yeah. Uh, so we'd we'd be happy to hear from you. Any and all feedback is uh, is is nope. Any and all feedback is welcome. Um, if you have, if you think we said something that you really liked, then go ahead, put that in. If we said something you didn't like, or you have more questions about, please jump in there. Um, I know that that can be kind of a daunting task, but we are more than open to receiving criticism about that stuff because you might have a perspective that we're just, we just don't know. Uh, we haven't experienced, uh, because even with the years that we've had in seminary, um, that's not enough to to examine the breadth and scope of of everything and we we are you know theological nerds so correct us that's fine we'll just eat it up like candy uh exactly we we yeah i <laughs> love that stuff so uh jump in on it um really get in there and uh don't be afraid to interact uh, we'll be happy to have you and uh as always um we probably need to have a way to end the podcast. <laughs> uh, 
insert tagline here yeah well oh you know what and once again that has been an episode of theological where we we take theological lemons and make theological lemonade all right thank you we'll see you next time Turn them into theological lemonade. Yeah. Yeah, I think that worked, actually. I like that. Okay.